Hey everybody, welcome back to the Marine Corps Movie Minute, where we're breaking down movies of the Marine Corps one minute at a time. I'm Jack. I'm Billy. And I'm John. Welcome, John, all the way from Australia. Thank you very much for having me, guys, to talk about uh, Leatherneck Scarface Highway. Yeah, yeah no, right? It's good stuff. Yeah, so this minute, uh, minute 109, starts off with some titties. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they're angry titties, but they're titties. And it ends with... Uh, a brief exchange, a little bit of irony, and uh, looks like a setup to some further action. So let's dig in. I want to welcome John, and, and since we didn't mention it, uh, he's from the Dirty Harry Minute, so a fellow Clint Eastwood Minute by Minute podcast. <laughs> I absolutely. Thank you guys for having me on the podcast. It's um, you know, you've set a very good example um to all us movies by minuteers that we can't live up to. You're reviewing a marine movie. You're both ex-marines. <laughs> and uh, we, did, we did Dirty Harry, and I'm ashamed to say I'm not a cop or a serial killer. So <laughs> you've set a high standard. Well, you know, that's, that's fine. <laughs> but are you dirty? <laughs> that's the question. No. No. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I do every dirty job that comes along. <laughs> the bar we've set is very low. Oh, uh, yeah, it's an easy bar. It's so low, we're, uh, we're low crawling under it like uh, Stitch Jones under some Constantina wire, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, let's uh, get into this minute. So as Perry pointed out, we get some we get some titties. <laughs> I'm gonna go out on a limb, and they are not angry. I think Stitch was very impressed with them, actually. <laughs> yeah, I believe he was. So this this has to be asked. All of the students end up being in this one little room, except for that one that decided it was a good time during a firefight to get a shower. <laughs> she was cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're being invaded oh i feel so dirty i'm gonna go i'm gonna go clean myself and then disappears she's lucky she didn't get shot i'm really disappointed you guys gave me just the dvd extract and not a, a high quality blu-ray resolution so that was a failure on your <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you got to watch it the way i you know i did as a kid and you know you got to kind of pause it at the right, right spot and <laughs> i'm not ashamed yeah. to say that i paused it a few times trying to get a little bit more material to work with before we started. I don't know how much material you needed and what, <laughs> <laughs> and what you're doing with the said material. <laughs> uh, show prep. Do you guys remember, do you remember at the start of the film, one of the articles that Clint was reading, sorry, Hunnick Gunny was reading, was called Island Erotics? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even make that connection, but there no, you go. Awesome. Yeah. Everything is put in for a reason. God damn you. That was an incredibly good observation and recall. Because do you think Stitch looks, is he aroused? Does he look perturbed, surprised, shocked by seeing banana titties in there? What do you think? <laughs> oh, no, 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 he's, he is, he's aroused. He's, he's excited. He's shocked. He's shocked. Because I, I got the, you know, I went, I went back to the beginning of the minute, you know, just for purely for podcast reasons. Yeah. Of course, of course. And as Stitch, you know, turns the corner, you know, she steps out. Ah, you know, she, ah. <laughs> His eyebrows go up like, oh, like surprise, like a little bit of shock. And then he, he's, he's you know, what would he say? U.S. Marines, bam. And he's very almost shy. But as yeah. he turns around to walk away, he's like diddy bop. And he's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's ready to close with and engage. <laughs> I think it was the minute before or two minutes before, Forgetti was in a similar situation. And he ended up shooting up the oh the skeleton. 
Yeah. So yeah, you're right, Perry. She's lucky that Stitch is a little more <laughs> calm and cool under pressure, or else he would have shot up a <laughs> little that blonde. <laughs> this particular wing is the Department of Anatomy, I think we saw in the minute before. So we're seeing it from all, all ends. <laughs> well, that maybe that's it. Maybe that's you know why she was there. You know, just so to teach young twelve year old Billy what anatomy looks like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that one took me a second. I was like, wait a minute, your name's Brian. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> now, I, actually, so let's, uh, this actress, th- her name is Rebecca Pearl. Really? Hmm. She made credits, huh? Oh, yeah, she made credits her out. She's got, um, she's been in quite a few things. I am sure I've seen her before. She's been in many things that I've seen over the years. I would have never known that it was her, though, or who she was, or that this is the same woman that potentially turned me into a man. <laughs> She's been in a show, Perry, you and I have talked about on this podcast, Street Hawk. Oh, no kidding. Huh. Yeah, she was a car hop. Oh, like uh, Sonic. Yeah, that's that's what I think. Yeah, uh, yeah Every role she's had seems to be a little uh, on the smaller side. Um, she was in Knight Rider. And she was also in Airwolf, something you and I just recently talked about off air. Son of a bitch. She's not my favorite actor in this movie. Yeah, she was in the episode <laughs> Fortune Teller, and her name was Tina. <laughs> really? I'm going to have to go back and watch that. Right. And she was also in The Bachelor Party as Screaming Woman. <laughs> oh. Another Clint Eastwood movie, uh, Tightrope. She played Becky Jacqueline. Huh. Yeah, she has a quite, a, quite a nice little role there as one of the... Um... One of the prostitutes that Clint Eastwood sort of falls in kinky, you know, lust with and ends up dead in the uh, Mississippi, I think. Pretty good role. Aside from the ending up dead in Mississippi, she actually may have fallen in love with Clint Eastwood in real life. (laughs) On IMDb, there's a mention that it says she was a rumored mistress of Clint Eastwood. Get in line. Get in line, lady. There's a lot of them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What is Sandra Locke going to think? I actually found this website called (laughs) whodatedwho.com. Yeah, I know. It it says that Clint Eastwood and Rebecca Pearl dated. It's funny. It says Rebecca Pearl, 58-year-old American actress. Clint Eastwood, a 90-year-old American actor. They dated from for three years, from 1983 to 1986. Really? Wow. That's what it said. Well, the internet is never wrong. Well, <laughs> you know what, though? That's, uh, eh, she, she, she did the role. I wonder what the audition was like, though. <laughs> it's probably like, hey, I'm making a movie. You want to be in my movie? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Does it pay? Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. Knowing, knowing Clint's um, reputation for being a bit of a tightwad sometimes, he probably said, I'll get you a role in the movie, but I'm taking your per diems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, he might have been pulling like an Adam Sandler thing where, you know, they filmed in Puerto Rico. So it's like, you do this role and it's a free vacation to Puerto Rico with me. Yeah. Yeah. So some of it was also filmed in San Diego, wasn't it? Some of these scenes, some of the beach scenes? I'm sure they some of them may, but yeah, yeah, Kent Pendleton's just north of of San Diego. So it's, 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 well, it's possible, but I imagine. Yeah, I imagine most of the, the, the combat beat scenes, they're absolutely going to be in Puerto Rico because there's not that many trees in Southern California. <laughs> right. And there's some eucalyptus trees in the background, though. Wouldn't that seem to suggest SoCal? I don't know. I think I saw something about that, but unfortunately, I didn't actually double check that beforehand. But I think I think you might be right. I think they did do some scenes there 
Um, I know they did, I forget exactly where in Puerto Rico they filmed this too. Um, I know Pete mentioned it actually on the podcast one time, and I know I've, I've looked up in the past, um, but... There's a bit of irony. There's a bit of irony that it was filmed. Like, I've never understood as a foreigner, Puerto Rico is sort of a protectorate of the U.S., or it's... Yeah. Oh, I don't want to offend yeah. you and say it's a colony, but it's some quite yeah, legal yeah, definition. What's well, a yeah. territory? I guess it's technically a territory. territory. Yeah, yeah, it's a territory. Right. Is that just a polite way of saying Colton? <laughs> it, well, kind of, yeah. I mean, back in the day, it probably would have been called that, but it's the same way Grenada. Well, that's funny that you actually you mentioned that. Mentioned it. <laughs> Gr- Grenada was a colony of the great of Great Britain until like 1974. 74, yeah. Yeah. And and so until they, you know, they basically became their own independence, but they still technically fall under the UK or the Queen British yeah, British rule. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're still uh, part of the Commonwealth. My yeah. my dad actually is I told him I was recording this podcast today and he he loves heartbreak ridge but as a proud as a proud englishman he's he's saying maybe america just invaded so they could change the cricket team into uh, a baseball team for the world Ah. (laughs) (laughs) but he's always sticking it into america (laughs) (laughs) not me however i love america (laughs) we appreciate that (laughs) it is true that a lot of these um you know like like Puerto Rico, and I'm trying to think like the Dominican. They get a lot of baseball players from there, so yeah. your dad, your dad's probably not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, I personally feel like it was one more. Uh, even though we, you know, Britain and and America are allies and have been for quite some time, and even though Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan seem to be on the same page most times, I still think it was one little more dig to just be like, hey, hey, uh, England, you don't rule us anymore we're gonna go into Grenada even though you don't want us to yeah this is our backyard you're over there yeah. <laughs> we didn't give you crap for the whole Falklands debacle you know that yeah. happened, you know, a few years earlier <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> yeah I mean apparently there was some uh what am I trying to say conflict between Thatcher and Reagan uh as far as hey they didn't England didn't want us intervening and but they were like nope nope we're, we're doing what we want I do what I want. Yeah. <laughs> you ain't the boss of me. So right after Stitch walks away, Swede, our, our buddy Swede, mm-hmm. busted in with an M60. Like a Kool-Aid man. <laughs> yeah, I think I think uh, Lieutenant Ring's with him on that side too. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think, and then it's uh, Profile, and I think it's uh, Keone's and Collins come in this other door, and they say, U.S. Marines, and all the <laughs> students are there, and they yeah. just cheer. And if, if you notice right when after everybody cheers and they start hugging, this woman walks right up the profile, gives him a big kiss, and then a hug. <laughs> some some of them are teachers. They must be, yeah. Some of them are teachers, yeah. Yeah, because there's um, I think yeah, there's a guy on the on the five ton. I guess it's a five ton. I'm calling it a five ton. <laughs> yeah, it's a five ton. That that he he looks too, right. He looks a little too old to be a student. <laughs> you know, they celebrate whatever. I got a little background on this uh, whole uh, rescuing of students, if you will. Mm-hmm. So obviously, I, th- I think I mentioned this before. This is Operation Urgent Fury. It was the name of the U.S.-led coalition. One of the main objectives, there was others, but one of the main objectives and one of the main justifications for going in was to secure 233 U.S. students. At least this is uh, these numbers kind of fluctuate because I, I've, I've seen a couple different 
numbers of students float around. But they said 233 U.S. students were in Grenada at the time. And they didn't, you know, Reagan didn't want to have another Iran hostage situation. So it's like, we got to get them out. Right. And apparently, I think most of them weren't in, in super danger. They just couldn't leave. Like they shut the airport down. There was no, you know, all the ports were shut down. They didn't want it to turn into something worse. So these students were going to St. George's University in Grenada, the West Indies. And I was, I was kind of looking it up today. And it's um, the main campus was called True Blue Campus. <laughs> but the school was founded uh, as an independent medical uh, school of. Yeah, I think it was founded only a few years before by the government. It was a, a state owned, operated school. Yeah, that's great. It was 1976, actually. Yeah, mm. so so it wasn't what that was like nine nine years or, or seven. It's surprising. Years. It's surprising after it was, the first coup was in 1979, where a socialist government sort of took over, bloodless coup. It's surprising that back then they didn't force evacuate, or the American government didn't want the students to return back home. Don't you think? Oh, maybe it was the Carter years, and they or they just let the students stay on without warning. You stay at your own risk. I don't know. Probably, yeah. That's a good point because, yeah, it was Bishop that took over and he suspended elections and, and all that good stuff. But I guess there <laughs> was a couple things I saw. Apparently, he suspended elections, but he was still working within the constitution that the, the greater Caribbean coalition that, uh, that, that was down there kind of agreed to when they all became independent. They kind of like had a cooperative agreement. And and I because I remember seeing something about this. So he was he was sort of still kind of working within, even though he was being more of a dictator. And and of course, cozy, he was cozying up to the Cubans. And then of course, what what happens here in '83 is uh, the, the people that try to take take Bishop out were cozying up to the Soviets a little bit more. Yeah, I, I saw a press conference with the head of the the uh, of the Caribbean coalition and Reagan. I was watching this old news footage about the invasion and they were discussing how bishop in the last few years was starting to be he was open to having elections again he was reaching out to the u.s to try to be a little bit less militant more you know kind of maybe a little more open that could be why it wasn't um like that important to say you can't go there it's also right. possible that it was such a, it was, all right, well, this, this dovetails into something else that I found that I think I mentioned it before, actually, they had no intel on Grenada because of the U.S. barracks bombing in, in Lebanon. Everybody expected they were going there and like a couple, it was like yeah. a week later, they're in Grenada. So at Fort Bragg, they didn't have any maps of Grenada. They had to go out into Fayetteville and get some tourist maps and then make their own maps. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then the only intel they had were like articles from The Economist. So, I mean, this was probably, it probably was a blip on their radar of the U.S. government at the time. It, they, it, was, it was not anything they were probably concerned about. But then once you start getting the Cubans showing up, building airports, now there's even a, 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 a there's a, another coup going on that's even more extreme to of communist uh, that you know Reagan's like all right we got we we just had a bad thing going on you know I'm not going to stand for commies you know taking over my backyard you know <laughs> we're going to send some guys in so you know of course yeah the same thing with not wanting another Iran hostage situation and then looking weak the same way Carter did so uh, I, I'm, yeah it's funny that they maybe didn't 
prevent them from going. But for all we know, I, I didn't, you know, look it up. But it's possible they put like a, one of those uh, State Department warnings: "Hey, travel at your own risk." You know. Yeah. So this um, university, uh, I just found it today. True it was, uh, yeah, a, a True Blue Campus is what it was, and it said the university uh, has had twenty-two thousand graduates, including physicians, veterinarians, scientists, public health, and business professionals across the world. It draws students and faculty from one hundred and forty countries to the island of Grenada, and it's involved into a top uh, international education area. Hmm. In twenty twenty. It has 1,124 U.S. and Canadian residencies and counting. So that was at the time of publishing that (laughs) there was at least, you know, 1,100 U.S. and Canadian citizens there, basically, Mm. working. Um, Interesting. And it's uh, proud to be the number one provider of doctors into their first year U.S. residency for the last 11 years. So I, I think a lot of times people go there because it's cheap. (laughs) <laughs> they can go to medical school for a lot yeah. cheaper. <laughs> oh, I can see that. But if you get in there and you're getting you know, like, you know, the doc's like, yeah, we're going to do this open heart surgery. And you see, you know, graduated from the blah, 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 school of medicine in Grenada. I'd be like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was, a, there was like a show on ABC that lasted like a year. And it was basically about this. It was, I forget the name of it. <laughs> But it was like, hey, we're young and we're hot and we're going down to the Caribbean to learn science and medicine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No. (laughs) Okay. So, all right. So about the rescue of the U.S., I I found some interesting stuff about it, right, of the U.S. um, uh, students. So, well, they missed some of them, didn't they? Yes, they were they spread did. over a few campuses. Yeah, that is correct. Clusterfuck. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> this, whole, this invasion was a clusterfuck as far as they had no intel. <laughs> they really just didn't. To be fair, it was arranged pretty quickly, I suppose, um, within just, just six days or whatever of the takeover by the. Oh, yeah, they, they moved pretty the quick. Yeah. Also, Marines really aren't investigators, you know, they just. <laughs> They're lucky they didn't blow the fucking place up before they got there. <laughs> Apparently the Marines came to step up for the Rangers who, who the, the helicopters had been downed or something, and the Marines had to help the Rangers get to the, the second campus at, um, to rescue the yeah. second lot of... Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah in, in real life, and I have a buddy that was attached to a Ranger unit and with special forces. He was over in Iraq and all that. Of course he was special. He was a Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> He teases me all the time that this movie is a bunch of stolen valor because a lot of what you see in Grenada go on, Rangers did. <laughs> or or yeah. airborne, you know. So yeah, so like so 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 the Rangers were they had two main objectives. One was to secure the airport and uh point Salinas, and then the other was to go on uh to True Blue Campus of the, the medical school. Because the Marines were landing north and, and securing something called Pearls Airfield. So the Marines were there, they were just doing something else. But basically, two ranger companies went off into the True Blue campus, and uh, they were encountering heavy, heavy hilltop fire around the, uh, the runway when they were heading out that way. And that's where some of the Marine attack helicopters came in. Now, this is something that I thought was funny about the maps. Apparently, they did silence the enemy positions, but they were, it was a frustrating process is what I read. It's because the rangers and the Marine aviators were using two different maps, <laughs> and they were also on different radio frequencies. So also not surprising. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just couldn't communicate. They said at one point, some one of the one of the rangers went out there and was using a mirror to designate targets. They were like reflecting the sun. Saying, "Oh my god, this is it's amazing. Anything gets done, you know." 
<laughs> but that's that improvised damp overcome thing right there, you know? <laughs> so, okay, so they said uh, the Rangers approached True Blue around 9 a.m. Uh, most of the students were hiding in their rooms, but they did say one, one student was actually showering. I'm just, making, I'm just making that part up. Oh, that was a creative license for the movie. <laughs> oh, Brian, <laughs> Brian. Um, also, uh, just a Wikipedia search said that um, one of the only reliable bits of information of a reportage coming out of Granada prior to the invasion was uh, a ham radio that uh, an Anictitus student had or something that was providing information to the Department of State secretly. So, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't surprise <laughs> me. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I, I didn't come across it. That's awesome. That's good. Um, so, uh, let's see. They said, uh, oh, but there was a firefight uh, between uh, the PR, PRA guards and the Rangers for about 15 minutes prior to the students hearing American voices, and they didn't hear, U.S. Marines! Let us sound heroic their profile. <laughs> right, right. Hey, hey, he tried, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh they said they this is to what John was saying. They didn't find they only found half the numbers of the students that they expected. And they found out mm. that there was um for the first time, uh, th this is the first time they were learning that two hundred students occupied a second campus at uh Grande on say a few miles to the north oh, and they had no plans <laughs> to evacuate them and of course uh, they said a telephone call confirmed it was surrounded so they had to fight their way there <laughs> yeah so uh and it, they, they said basically once they secured the governor that was one of the other missions they had then they they were able to go and, and get those students so as they were advancing you know to get those students it was it wasn't going well but they had there was a there was an army guy there who had no command authority but he went ahead and suggested and advised, and I'll say you might recognize his name. His name was Norman Schwarzkopf. Oh, um, shit. Yeah, he recommended From that. Stone, whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The very one. He said uh, the six Marine CH-46C Knights to drop off the Rangers. They ba And ba basically they were, you know, between the helicopters and the uh, Rangers, they were able to go ahead and secure, you know, the, the, <laughs> rescue the, the students elsewhere. Now there was a one of the helicopters did go down, and the Rangers actually had to retrieve a rubber raft from the helicopter and paddle their way out to a waiting destroyer. So that's really nothing to do with the rescue of the students. Beside, aside from, <laughs> it's just amazing what they you know what how things happened and what they had to do. Row, but, row, row, you shut up, Carl. <laughs> but after they did that, they found out that there was yet another bunch of students in nearby Prickly Bay. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, yeah. they had to do a third rescue mission. So, <laughs> you, know, you know, it's all over the place. Students. <laughs> right. But as we, as we learn in college, behind is a terrible thing to waste. So we have to take <laughs> that, you know. So, so, okay. So What is that? that I, sorry, I legitimately don't understand. It's got the ring of a joke to it. But do, do well, you guys use the word behind in America for bump, for bum, for ass? Sometimes. Behind? But but yeah. it's a play. It's a play on an old United Negro College Fund commercial from when I, I. It may have been even older than than the '80s, but there used to be a commercial all the time, and that was the tagline: "A mind is a terrible thing to waste." And it mm. was like I specifically uh. remember this commercial. It was a young black black kid, and he was like saving his pennies, and he w went up into the closet or whatever, and it was like he was saving college money. 
And it was like, please give to the United Negro College Fund because a mine is a terrible thing to waste. Okay, that's lost to me as a foreigner. I'm completely lost. <laughs> I'm I know, I know, behind's an ass, but I don't know what that's yeah. got to do with university. Yeah, yeah so that's that's you know, in Stitch Jones, you know, he's saying a behind is a terrible in a mind. You know, it's it's. <laughs> so your 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 instincts were correct. It's just lost on you. <laughs> for, yeah. uh, Context is everything. <laughs> I mean, that is a nice behind uh, in in those nice tight '80s pants. You know. Yeah, <laughs> the big ass pat, or, or or nowadays would be called mom jeans, but <laughs> yeah, wearing them around their throat. Yeah, they're they're pretty high. They're definitely some eighties jeans right there, but it's pretty funny. <laughs> they load the students up in a five ton, and this is where we get a nice little. Um, can't remember what um, I said, Rodney Hill, but I was going to say um, Collins. He mentions either was it Delta company or he he specifically mentions one of the guys in one of the other companies is going to get some surfboards and they're going to go down to the beach and start surfing. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't think they're going to be doing that in the middle of war zone, but okay. Charlie Charlie don't surf. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. There was, Uh, there was one, one review in the Washington post. I, I researched it said, quote, most of the time, you wonder why they aren't issued beach towels with their bayonets. <laughs> we're deliberately riffing on this line, yeah. They were complaining there's no sense of stakes in this part of the movie. Like, it's there's no real dramatic um, pressure. And yeah, I guess. One of the reviewers. I mean, er, before this, there's there is a little bit of a firefight, and it, and it's their first baptism by fire. Um, I think uh, Ponte. I don't know if Ponte actually does the killing. I can't remember, but. Uh, he definitely does the sign of the cross and is like, because there, there's somebody dead at their hands. So there was a little bit of a fight. Yeah. So that was a really good example of uh, Gunny Highway in this movie, really caring for his troops. Like I was thinking back to the earlier minute when he says to, um, when he says, I'm scared of, you know, parachuting too, to to yeah. the Swede. And I thought maybe yeah. he's even lying. Maybe he's just lying to um, Swede just to make him feel better. Um, he's really developed the, as you say, the esprit de, the core for the for his, his um that's pretty core yeah and he almost cuts himself when aponte says you know i apologize to jesus you know senor he's about to yeah. cut him out and say don't be stupid but he catches himself and he just lets lets aponte sort of pray for his for his killing yeah some nice touches yeah you know it, it's funny because like I, I mean i've never been in combat like this so i can't say but one of the things in boot camp i'll just go back to that you usually got four we had five at one point DIs and you know, the, the three junior or lower ranking, not ranking, but like in the hierarchy of DIs are just the, they're just the worst. They treat you like shit, you know, they're terrible, but your senior is supposed to be kind of like the father figure. You know, he's supposed to be like the, the one that like he's tough, but fair. And, and I feel like that's very much gunny. Like he, he's, he's hard on these guys. He's trying to train them up. Right. But he's mm. going to he's he's looking out for them. He and you know, he's he's trying to I mean you find out he's a nice guy basically. <laughs> yeah, he cares about his Marines. Yeah, he legitimately cares. So that's interesting. Did you see earlier on when um they're in the the Huey or one of the helicopters on the way to the island there, one of them's doing the other's makeup the camouflage? You see yes. that nice little touch? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was and when we talked to uh, Pete Koch, he mentioned that they weren't given any sort of like, like they didn't have, they just put the makeup on them or the makeup, geez, the, yeah. 
the the camo on themselves. They were they all tried to make it a little unique, but yeah, I I, I like that a little bit. I think it was um it was profile and and uh um sorry, it was profile and Collins. I think that were doing that together, <laughs> and they were just kind of put, putting on the 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 what the grease paint basically. <laughs> yeah. You pin it up for I wondered if they would have. I wonder if they would have treated each other so courteously, um, with uh, with patience before Gunny was uh, in charge of them. I don't know. He inculcated their uh, kindness. <laughs> I think they probably would have been shitting their pants before Gunny was in charge of them if they were getting ready to go to war. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that true? Is that true? When you go into combat, um, I think the SAS in Australia, bronzing up is the term where if you're out of camouflage, you can use your excrement to uh, camouflage yourself. It's called bronzing up. <laughs> well, I imagine they probably that. Well, they, I mean, I'm sure you could. I don't that. Oh. Sorry, maybe it's just Aussie. Oh, Aussie. oh no, no, you're not grossing this out. I'm just gonna only imagine th- those fuckers are savages, man. Bronzing <laughs> up. <laughs> you're military guys. I don't put anything past it. No, someone says there. Bronzing up. Yeah. That's, I'm gonna like some shit they tell a boot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that sounds like something. It's like, hey, go, yeah, just rub some shit on your face. Yeah. <laughs> I think I know the name of our episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Broad, <you know. laughs> oh, I mean, I, I I like to take the I would think I would like to take the approach more of Arnold, Schwar- Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Predator and just put yeah, a lot of mud. mud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody in the unit's got pink eye when they get back. <laughs> right. I'm right here. Come on, do it. <laughs> Shit on me. Yeah. <laughs> you pay extra for that. <laughs> Shizen. <laughs> Uh, All right, so we get a call back to the uh, profile getting kissed that we mentioned earlier. Profile is all proud, and he said, "Oh, one of the one of the students kissed me four times. I think I'm in love." And she (laughs) says, "He says that guy. He walks up." Was he good looking profile? (laughs) It was a girl, (laughs) Gunny. You know what that means, guys. You know what that means. Profile was kissed, so. According to the you know the horror movie rule, he's got to die later on. You know he's he's been kissed. He's lost his virginity. He he's going to die yeah. soon, perhaps. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, yeah. who knows? I'm sure who that, knows? that that kiss was without was was outside of wedlock. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> center guy going to get you. His profile modeled on Goma Pyle a little bit. Tell me about that. Is that what's I mean, his I role in this? specifically gomer pile but yeah i mean he's basically the the goofball yeah. you know and, and Close enough yeah there's and there's all types that you know you serve with in the military and to this day i have a guy from boot camp that i'm i'm friends with a guy from boot camp still <laughs> and he to this day he will bring up this one particular goofball <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, that guy was the dumbest guy we've ever met in our life. You know, <laughs> like, so I profiles the dumb guy. He's the dumb, goofy guy. He plays it really well. Like that line out of like vaudeville or something. It was a girl, Gunny. It just seems it's really good. But um, that really whole good. little exchange between them is is outstanding. It's set up perfectly. That's why I say like Clint Eastwood's really good at comedy when he's playing. He's playing a straight man because he's yeah. like he yeah. just walks up and that is a hundred percent what another guy would say to another guy, you know, when in that situation, yeah. like, Oh, was Absolutely. he good looking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
you know, you could point out the obvious, I mean, where the joke has a, a meta aspect to it. Because the Tom irony. Villard, yeah, Tom Villard in real life was a homosexual. Ah. Yeah, so he, and unfortunately he's, he's, he's passed on at this time. But he, I don't know if he was out at the time of this filming, but he did come out eventually. I really like his uh, performance across the film. It's, I really enjoy seeing him. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, he, he's, he's good in this movie. Because I even like the part like, oh, fuck you, I'm getting pretty good at this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which which is a little character arc for him because earlier he wasn't swearing. He's like recon kicks butt, and then yeah. <laughs> and then where all the recon marines have like boobs and ass posters, he's got a kitten and a puppy. You know, like yeah. <laughs> like yeah. he's just he's the innocent, soft spoken guy. Now he's swearing. He's you know he's becoming a decent marine. He's kissing women. You know he's <laughs> uh, he's romance. He's James Bond. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> action hero extraordinaire. But, you know, I never noticed before until I'm watching it now when he's talking to Collins in front of the five ton when this little joke happens. He's got the radio, which I, that comes into play later. But I guess I never realized that, you know, Profile was pumping around with that radio the whole time. The battery powered Marine. Have I ever told my pricky six um, story on this podcast? Um, I've not uh, heard it so far. Okay, so yeah. I probably haven't. All right, so let me tell you real quick. So when I first got to <laughs> Cherry Point, I'll, I'll, be, I'll try to make it quick. When I went to oh, Cherry Point, I was still pretty boot. Lance Corporal, just there for a little bit. All of a sudden, we're having a commanding general's inspection. So one of the things that we had to do is we had to um, go through. My duty, my duty for this inspection was to get uh, all of our records in order. Um, so if any piece of equipment that we owned needed to have a publication with records, like a user manual, a maintenance manual, all that good stuff. So I had to inventory what we had. I had to make sure that if we didn't have an up-to-date record, uh, a manual for it, I then had to make sure, show that it was on order. So I had to order it. So, or, you know, whatever. So I did that. If there was a manual we didn't have the equipment for, I had to update the fact that the equipment is gone and get rid of the manual because we don't want to hold stuff we don't need. So I found some manuals for a prick. What is it? A prick 111? The, the, the telephone. Basically, the telephone that... Yeah, uh, it's it's a it's, yeah it's, yeah it's, it's an acronym PRK or I thought it was PRC but I I can't remember yeah. I'm not gonna look it up right now but it's it was like PRC like dash I think it was like 111 whatever everybody getting the quarterdeck tell us we're wrong I so I remember going up to one of the sergeants and I said hey do we have this prick whatever because I knew it was a prick or whatever so I said do we have a prick whatever no. But um, we do have a pricky six. You ever see a pricky six? <laughs> no, I don't know what a pricky six is. Why don't you go tell Staff Sergeant Thompson? Ask him if he's ever seen a prick, <laughs> pricky six. And I know Staff pricky Sergeant Thompson. Thompson. Yeah. So I go, hey, Staff Sergeant, do we have a pricky six? What'd you say? <laughs> pricky six. Do we have one? Have you ever seen one? What's a pricky six? Motherfucker, say pricky six one more time. What do you mean? <laughs> Pricky six. I just want to know if we have one or not. Motherfucker, you said it again. Stop saying pricky six. I mean, I'm so fucking thick that I can't I can't figure out what's going on here. They're all and now I'm starting to realize though that people are laughing. And and I'm like, and he's getting he's yelling at me, like pricky six. One more time, motherfucker. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me. He goes, What's my rank? And I go, Staff Sergeant. He goes, and that is an E6. 
So, ah, <laughs> oh, so you're the pricky. Why you motherfucker? But of course, you know he he was just it was all a setup, and they were just fucking with me, and they had a good laugh at it. But my dumb ass just kept digging my digging my ditch, you know, about a pricky six. <laughs> uh, who, who sent who sent you on that little errand? I don't remember. One of the old school guys. I don't remember. That's funny. Oh, do do you guys do you guys use the word head shed for like yes for your yeah yeah in fact we we for a while worked in the head shed if you will if you will ah in American Sniper I mean Bradley Cooper talks about that a few times so I'm like head shed <laughs> yeah that's the headquarters building it's where all the the the, the in charges work out of the, in the building so yeah it just it just Marines have little terms that just kind of roll off the tongue yeah like because technically it was the general's building or the commanding general's building yeah. um, but, but but we we called all the it cool uh, people called it the head shed yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> i love all these words head shed e6 the head for the toilet yeah Liberty leave <laughs> what a world i'm holding an ink stick in my hand right now instead <laughs> of a pad <laughs> i'm wearing go fasters you know so uh, instead of sneakers <laughs> it's just some of these uh, uh, names are stupid. <laughs> yeah, but some of, are, yeah, some of them are, but some of them are kind of pretty, pretty good. I think we've talked about this before. Moonbeam. Yep. Flashlight. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a flashlight. Uh. Moonbeam seems harder to say than flashlight, but because of moonbeam. Yeah. <laughs> would higher would higher up would higher up ranks still use these words like Major Powers? Would he would he would he would these words be beneath him and he'd say them correctly or just the some, lower ranks? No, not all. Like so, normal normal naval terms like deck, head, so like that they they would they would probably use because they would definitely uh, use it. Yeah, no, they yeah. would definitely use that. But yeah. like some of the more like there's some terms that you get they teach you like like moonbeam like you you get it like uh, in boot camp or marine combat training that that's the only time that they use them but they try to phase you out of using some of those terms uh, mm. and. Um, uh, MCT, Marine Combat Training, or I'm not sure about SOI, School of Infantry, yeah. but uh, they, they try to phase you out of using some of those words because they're just not used in the fleet, and they just kind of more or less make you look like an asshole. Yeah, like, like, like <laughs> you know, we had, you know, glasses, and they call them port holes. But yeah. I, I swear, but, but once you're in the fleet, they weren't the, the beat me, fuck me kind that we call them, but the um, they were more like aviators. So a lot of times they wouldn't call them glasses. They would say, where's your aviators? Even though they weren't referring to sunglasses, they were referring to your glasses. Or, but yeah, sometimes, just depending also who you were talking about, would say, would just say, where's your glasses? But I don't think major powers would tolerate these colloquialisms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was not one of the cool ones. He wouldn't use headshed. He would say whatever is in the Marine Corps manual. Yeah, because as we know, he consults that thing before he mounts his old lady just to make sure he moves in a proficient military manner. Yeah. <laughs> do you actually, guys think? Go ahead. Do you think? Do you think Major Powers, like who, the actor who plays him, is he famous? He looks like a bony, a bony faced Johnny Depp or something. <laughs> uh, he's been is in he a few supposed movies. to have a southern accent too. Jack, does he have a southern accent? I don't think he is. Jeez, I, I, I forget. Ever McGill, I forget where he's from. Yeah, but he's he was in Dune, like the original nineteen eighty. Was it three Dune? Yeah, he, okay. yeah, he was. Uh, oh, he, he's he's more like a character actor, but um, yeah, he's been like he's been in a few things. One, uh, he was in, he's been in a lot of those. Um, well, David Lynch, David because he was in he was in David Lynch movies because he was also in um, Twin Peaks. 
He was a recurring character on there. Never saw that show. I heard it is incredibly weird. He got his start as like a, not a Broadway singer, but like a stage, a stage play guy. Hmm. Um, I know we talked about in the past, but yeah, he, he was pretty prominent on, on stage, I think before he ever um, was on screen and he's, you know, he's done a bunch of things, but uh, let's see, I'm trying to find him real quick. Everett McGill. I'll tell you real quick where he's from. And by all accounts, I thought, he had, a, I thought he had a slight Southern Lint Gunny yeah. Highway. Yeah. He he's from Miami Beach, Florida. I he does he definitely yeah, he, has that. Yeah, <laughs> Go to a Southern Highway. Yeah. <laughs> You're out of line. <laughs> yeah, 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 he's definitely got a plan. <laughs> I don't even know what he's kind taking of. pictures. He he's taking pictures here. Do you think that's in line with his character? Is it isn't that more of a Lieutenant Ring type of thing to do? I don't know. Uh, Ring, I could see doing that for the for as far as the the scrapbook. Yeah, it, well, I was gonna say because he's all about the intel. Like, when, like when he snapped to attention, he's like Grenada. It's thirty six nautical miles off the coast. You know, like he yeah. he he's <laughs> all about the report and and the and the yeah. knowledge and 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 all that. Power seems like he wants it for, for a scrapbook. I feel like he's the yeah. one that's like, oh, I was in combat. Here's my picture. Yeah, me, well. Yeah, this is like, <laughs> look how badass I am. I'm taking pictures of of everything. Yeah, I think it's fairly in line with him because he's. If you notice, Gunny's talking about coming across some resistance, and he's like, "Ah, it's probably just local fanatics." And he's yeah, like, he blows it off. Yeah, yeah, he blows it off. He's like negative. He's an experienced combat vet. Yeah, he's not paying attention. He he didn't have anything to do with the rescue of the students. He's just there, kind of observing, yeah. and. Now and he's blowing off the guy that is telling, giving him a report reconnaissance from recon platoon, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. whose job is to go find things out and tell him, hey, we found bad guys, we know kind of where they're at, or yeah. So, anything else about this particular minute that either one of you want to cover? Because I'm tapped out. Oh. I just wanted to mention a bit uh, at the start with Stitch. Sure. Mm. I noticed there's, an, there's a piece of paper in the hallway with an F an F on the wall. So I thought these medical students aren't worth saving. <laughs> Number two, <laughs> if that's what it is, an exam paper or something. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that was her F. <laughs> yeah. Also, another question was for you guys. Um, Stitch has a his, his um, wristwatch. Is it advisable to take something like that into combat? I know you have, I know timing's important for things, but maybe it could be a liability in combat. Get, you know, you're caught or uh, torn or something. There's only specific watches you're allowed to wear, at least we were allowed to wear in uniform. The G-Shock is one of them, like a sports watch. Uh, right. I would yeah, think you want something that, because, you know, like, yeah, you want something that's not going to reflect. Yeah. The, yeah. Or or make noise. You know, you're not going to wear, like, a, a nice fancy, you know, Rolex or, or anything like that. But, I, I mean, I have to imagine guys still wear it in, in combat. I don't think that was necessarily a, a, a like, a, a goof, but... I, I would think, like Perry said, it would have to be a certain kind, is my guess. Yeah, they don't want yeah. you wearing like bright, yeah, like bright flashy watches. One, because yeah. they're likely to get the shit cracked out of them, so they don't want to hear about you know you broke your watch. But yeah, the rubberized non-metal bands, I think, is typical. Yeah. Well, hell, just the um, you know, as you guys are talking about, the major powers has his his uh, class ring still on. Yeah, his I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Now I would say that's totally ill-advisable. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, but he wants everybody to know he was a graduate of Annapolis, 77. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> big time football hero. He was a big time football hero. The last thing I just was a bit of a criticism from my, my other colleagues over here at Dirty Harry Minute. Uh-huh. They're saying, I don't know, it, it was a bit of a B-grade haunted house feel to how Stitch enters the um, enters the frame. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. They were just giving a lot of shade to it, saying it's, it's not really... And the music's so B-grade in the background, it's a bit cheap. <laughs> that was their yeah, comment. Some, some Scooby-Doo, like, uh, squeaky shoes. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, set, it's to set up the surprise, though, of boobs, I think. Yeah. Like, because yeah. just a minute before, or just before that, you have the tense scene of them clearing the rooms. You see, you see them going into each little, like, you know, whatever they call them, um, you know, rooms. And then you see Forgetti, you know, Forgetti's all tense. The the thing pops up, he shoots the skeleton <laughs> up. Then Gunny scares him again, yeah. almost shoots Gunny. <laughs> so that's all tense. That's all, he's all hopped up, he's sweating, he's all scared. Jesus Christ, Gunny, he almost, you know. So now we're getting the same thing. With, yeah, with Stitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, so now you get the whole thing with Stitch kind of replaying that, like, all right, what's Stitch going to come across? Maybe now you're to think it's you're not going to get a fake out. You're going to get a real Cuban army guy that he's going to have to get in a firefight while he's clearing his room. And instead, you get you get gratuitous nudity. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what also got me too is that those guys, those Marines, kicked those doors in. There's open windows right there. They could have just peeked in. Oh, you know what? I actually, that's, I'm glad you said that. I forgot. What, yeah, that one, uh, like, teacher's just standing right in front of the window <laughs> with his back to yeah. it. Um, <laughs> I, what if they what if they cleared it the way they kind of taught us in in uh, MCT in Combat Town, where you kick the door in, you throw the they're throwing flashbangs in there, and they're coming in, bang 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 bang, <laughs> and you just <turn> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good stuff. What do you guys say we wrap up this minute then and uh, move on to the next one? Absolutely, perfect. All right, John, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you before we do that though? Everyone, I'm part one part of Dirty Harry Minute. If you go to dirtyharryminute.com, we've wrapped up the series, but we will do some few bonus episodes in the near future. So, yeah, just Google Dirty Harry Minutes. And uh, even before that, just check out the original Dirty Harry. It's such a good movie. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's even good. better than Heartbreak Ridge. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Possibly. No, no, no. It's, it's a great movie. <laughs> hey, they're both equally awesome. All right. Well, uh, John, we, you know, thanks for joining us. And uh, hopefully you can stick around for... Uh, for for Wednesday, uh, you know, come back on Wednesday and do another minute with us. Yes, please. But one last observation, guys, I just noticed, and this is, I just wanted to yell this at Powers when I saw him as he's taking pictures in this parking lot. Powers, what's with the picture? It's a parking lot. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Marine Corps Movie Minute, where we're breaking down minutes of the... Uh, fuck. We're making it down to minutes? <laughs> <laughs> Say what? I'm Jack. I'm Billy. And with us today, we and have I'm a special John. guest. Well, oh, fuck. Say what? What, Perry? What? Bye, Bye everybody. Do you even know what that is yeah. from? No. 
It's from uh, Caddyshack. Wang, what's with the pictures? It's a parking lot. When oh, oh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's all what I can think of. It's the first one. When Rodney Dangerfield first yeah. shows up to Bushwood, he's got an, uh, an Asian guest with, of him, and he's taking yeah. all the pictures. And he goes, hey, this is my – he goes, hey, Wang, just this, <laughs> this club's restri- restricted, so don't tell him you're Jewish. And then he goes <laughs> – but then he's taking pictures. He goes, what's with the picture? It's just a parking lot. Major <laughs> <laughs> Powers in there in the parking lot of the school. All right. That, yeah. that, they're not all winners, all right? <laughs> Billy. Goonga, goonga, goonga. I got him right. on bad jokes. I got that going for me. Right. <laughs> Which is nice.